This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Well, praise God. We are in a series this month, Freedom in Jesus. Jesus brings freedom, amen? And uh, uh, as we get saved, you know, it doesn't mean that we get rid of all our problems, amen? Uh, sometimes when we get saved, we find out we have more problems. Yes. We have areas in our lives that, you know, that God wants us to, um, you know, uh, come out of. There's areas in our lives that, you know, may not be pleasing to God. And, and so, you know, it's a lifelong, this faith walk is a lifelong walk. Amen? Amen. And so we have to keep walking in the life of God and, and moving towards freedom. So, uh, so today you're moving towards freedom. Uh, the, the, the scripture that I want to focus on this morning um, for our series is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 6. This is a powerful scripture. And it says here, and it says here, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captivity, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So basically what Paul is saying here, he's saying that the battlefield, a lot of times in our walk with Christ, is in the mind. I'm going to say it again. The battle is in your mind and you got to make sure uh, that your mind is hooked up with the word of God. And so a lot of times we're battling in our mind, we're battling these thoughts that will try to get us to do things that aren't right and try to move us out of the grace of God. And uh, and I'm going to say this, you have power over your thoughts. Amen. You don't have to think wrong thoughts. And uh, you have power on what you think on. Amen. And uh, so, so basically, Paul was saying strongholds, uh, and a definition is a prisoner locked by deception. A stronghold is a pattern of thinking that opposes the truth of God's word. Now you, can, now, you may be believing for healing today, and maybe you're dealing with something in your body. Uh, the, there's a... Spiritual law, the truth of God's word says, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. But you might have symptoms telling you that you're sick. But you have to lean on the word over above the symptoms. Even though you might have contrary evidence fighting against the truth, there's a higher truth, and I'm talking to anybody today, called the word of God. And the word of God is spirit, life, truth. And God's spirit, life, truth is greater than natural truth that we deal with today. Am I I talking to anybody today? Because, listen, you know, God's spiritual laws will override natural. I'm speaking to somebody today. Will override natural laws. When Jesus was here, he was always overriding natural laws. He changed water to wine. He, 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 
He, he overrode a natural law through spiritual concepts, through the, through the word of God. So he walked on water. Now, unless it's a frozen tundra, you know, uh, you know that's natural law. So it has to be frozen before you can walk on it. But he walked on water. He was, he was able, Jesus was able to overcome natural laws. And if we understand this, that the spiritual will always overtake the natural if we let it. So how can we overcome these wrong patterns of thinking? We have to allow the truth of God's word to be more dominant than the lies of the devil. I'm going to say again, we, got, must, have the, we must have allow the truth of God's word to, uh, to be stronger than the lies of the devil. And the devil is constantly lying to us. The devil lies to the world. The, the devil's always lying. You know, you have g- gender confusion. And you have, you know, you have kids and, that don't know what sex they are. You know, they're buying into these ideas that their feelings, the world even will tell you your feelings, if your feelings tell you you're a certain sex, then that's what sex you are. But you know what, you know, it, and it contradicts science. Amen. Amen. And so, and then they go with feelings and then they go with science and the world, the way the world does things is all upside down. Isn't it? But the way God does things is right side up. Amen. And so I love this because, because if we're going to, if we're going to pull down these thoughts that, that come against us at times and, and will try to get us to not walk in the spirit of God, it will try to get us to do the wrong things. We need to take captivity those thoughts. And, you know, in Matthew 4, 1 and 4, Jesus shows us how to do that. I didn't hit on it last week to, a, to a, the nth degree. But in Matthew 4, 1 and 4, Jesus, it says here, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, after he was hungry, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God. Think about that. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered. Notice it said, he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The focal point I want to focus on this is that you can't overcome a negative thought with a positive thought. You have to overcome a negative thought with the word of God speaking out of your mouth. In other words, you're going to have to say something out of your mouth when the enemy's coming against you. And so the first thing the devil did was he he said to Jesus, if you be the son of God. A lot of times what the devil will do to us is he will ask, are you sure you are a Christian? Are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're healed? Are you sure that you have the promises of God? Because you stand on the promises, right? So the devil will challenge the word of God and he will challenge that to us by speaking to our minds. Are you sure? Are you sure? Amen. Yes, you are a child of God. Yes, you are more than a conqueror. Glory to God. And so what we have to do is we need to understand this, that, that we have to stay in the Word of God until it transforms us into being the people that God's calling us to be. Amen. 
you're in a process of transformation. I'm going to say it again. See, you're becoming, you're, you're, you're looking more and more. Every time I see you every Sunday, all your beautiful faces. Every time I see you, you guys look more like Jesus. I'm saying, look at your neighbor and say, you look more like Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. You're looking more like Jesus. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Amen. Some of you like to say, oh, you know. No, you are looking more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we're, 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 we're moving into that place. You know, you know I'm going to say this, that we're, we only have a down payment of our salvation. You know, we don't have it all yet. We won't have it all until we have our glorified bodies. So we just have, uh, you know, two thirds of, uh, of the salvation. Yes, we're born again. Thank God. Thank God we're saved, hallelujah. We got new spirits, amen. But God's going to give us a new body. I'm looking forward to that day. That means that we won't have to count calories. Amen. That means we don't have to control everything that we eat, glory to God. Amen. Is that right? And we're going to have these glorified bodies. And I'm going to say this, we all will be at the perfect weight. We're all going to be at our perfect weight. What, whatever you desire, that's where you're going to be at. I'm going to be looking like Arnold. <laughs> when you see me like, Pastor! God will give you the, your desires of your heart. No, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not interested in looking like Arnold. Amen? But, uh, but here in John 8, 31 and 32, this is amazing. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, so Jesus was saying that, that, that the key to getting set free from these wrong patterns of thinking is to continue. Somebody say continue. To abide in the vine. We must continue in the word of God. Lest we forget who we are. I'm going to say it again. You can forget who you are in Christ. You can forget that you are a Christian. Just stop going to church. Stop reading your Bible. Stop praying. And and pretty soon you'll be so far away from God. You forget that you're even saved. I've been there. I've been so... I've been backslidden at one time where I, I, am I even saved? Amen? And that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to deceive some of us. And I'm telling you, we're not going to be deceived. Hallelujah. So last week we discovered Jesus is the ultimate bondage breaker. We discovered that his mission is to set people free from all types of bondages. Amen? And so we know that, and we know that, that in his first preaching was in Luke 4, 18 and 19. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Why to the poor? Because he's saying to the poor, you don't have to be poor no more. Amen. The blessings of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So you don't have to be in a state of being brokenhearted. 
I'm going to say it again. You don't have to live your life in regrets and being brokenhearted because Jesus came to set free the brokenhearted. You know, you don't need to. Uh, we, we, we need to understand that, that he's trying to set us free from some of these things. You know, and uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery sight to the blind, to open blind eyes, both spiritually, spiritually and physically, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That means set at liberty, oppress is another word, set at liberty those that are sick. And we know that Jesus went around uh, healing and setting people free from all kinds of bondages. In 1 John 3, 8, it says that Jesus came to undo the works of the evil one. So today I want to talk to you about being set free from addictions. Addictions. Can a Christian be addicted? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Can a Christian be addicted to something that's not good for them? And I'm going to say this. Yes, a Christian can fall into addictions. I remember I used to... I said this before, but I used to buy lottery tickets. And, you know, it was like, uh, you know, like and that's sort of like a, a, a gambling addiction. And I would get that and I would get this rush by, 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 by scratching off the, you know, I'd, oh yeah, I'm going to win the Powerball, you know, or whatever. And I'd get this rush and you know, you'd see the people that buy the tickets at 7-Eleven or wherever and, you know, you wait in line and they're trying to get... And then, then they're, they're scratching them off, trying to see if they're going to win. Amen. And I lost more than I won. Amen. And I remember that as I kept in the word of God, that I didn't have to try to make myself stop buying lottery tickets. I just, I had a no desire to buy lottery tickets. It wasn't like I was trying to control it. And, oh, I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to buy a lottery ticket. No, no, I... I, I just allowed God's word to work in me. And pretty soon, I just, that desire fell off of me. And so I'm going to say this. It's not always you got to work it out in the flesh. It's not by might. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's by the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord can set you free from lottery tickets. Or whatever that vice might be in your life. Amen. So we, we have, you know, uh, the, the spirit that will set us free from these things. Addiction is anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I can't seem to stop doing it. Can I say that again? Addiction is anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I can't seem to stop doing it. Many things in our lives that we feel that, that are out of control in our lives, but God will put those things back in control if we let it. You know, uh, uh, the addictions and the, the major addictions is, is gambling and alcohol and uh, sex addictions and all these things. But as Christians, we don't have to be involved in all that stuff. We can say no to those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 7, 21 and 24, it looks like Paul was dealing with some things in his life that may not have been too pleasing with, to God. 
And it says, it says here in Romans 7, 21, 24, it says, so, fi- so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that, you know, I'm going to say this, that when you're born again, your spirit wants to do the right things. But some, sometimes your flesh, uh, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and sometimes your emotions, your feelings, will try to move you into doing the wrong things. And if, you're, if you have a strong spirit, you're going to be deciding on doing the right things more often. If you have a strong flesh, then you're going to be deciding on doing the wrong things more often. So, so, so we have to understand that. So, so, so whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve will die. Amen. Lie number one. My weakness or addiction, addiction has become part of my identity. So what do I do? Uh, so what I do is who I am. And that's not true. What you do is not who you are. I'm going to say that again. What you do is not who you are. God tells you who you are. Your weakness is not what you are. There's, you know, in these programs that try to help people, like the alcohol, uh, alcohol programs, uh, Alcohol Anonymous, and uh, they, they will tell these people, now admit that you are an alcoholic. So they will get you to confess, I am an alcoholic. You know, and uh, and I understand that because sometimes people that have addictions uh, don't want to admit that they're they're addicted to anything. So they don't confess that they got the problem. But the problem with this is that that you don't want to be confessing that you have the problem in in Christianity, in the Christian in, in Christianity. You want to confess you have the answer. You want to confess that, that you are not, you know, you, you are not the addiction. You are who God says that you are. So really, the Bible says that God tells us to confess what God says about us. This is so important in, in our faith walk that we need to start confessing what God, who God says that we are. You know, the Bible says that we're new creations in Christ. So, so if we are a new creation then we need to start confessing, I'm a new creation in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I'm looking at new creations today. You are new creations. You are not the old creature. You are a new creation in Christ. Amen. And old things are passed away and all things have become new. That means everything in your past is wiped clean. That means you have no regrets. Why? Because God gives you a clean slate. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? You're a new creation in Christ. So you need to start confessing, I'm a new creation in Christ. Brother Hagen, when he got saved and uh, he got off the bed of affliction... 
uh, he would witness to people and he would tell people that he was a new creation in Christ in high school. And he would say, I'm a new creation in Christ. They say, what? And they would say, what do you mean by that? And he would explain to them that, you know, God came into his life, changed his heart, and he's a new creation. And, and, he, would, and he would move people closer to God by that confession of faith. Somebody say, I'm a new creation in Christ. We need to confess that we are children and joint heirs of God. You are a child of God. You're not a child of the devil. But pastor, I got some weaknesses. I'm doing some wrong things at times. Yeah, but that doesn't make you a child of the devil. That means that you have some weaknesses that you're overcoming. I'm going to say that again. You, that doesn't make you... Now, the devil will try to tell you, oh man, you did something wrong. You're, 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 you're mine. You're not the devil. You don't belong to the devil. You belong to God. You know, I, you know even... Even, you know, some of the patriarchs even uh, had problems. But even though they had problems, God was still with them. Amen. Amen. Samson is one of, the, one of my favorite Old Testament judges in the Old Testament. And he had problems. You know, he had problems. And he paid for those problems, right? He ended up being in captivity to the Philistines. But God was still with him when he called on him at the very end. But he had problems. Your problems can take you down, but God can always bring you back up. Let me say it again. Your problems can take you down, but God can always bring, if you keep looking up. Amen. And so if we confess, we need to confess that we're children and joint heirs of God. That's one of the lies the devil will try to put on us when we miss the mark. Are you sure you're saved? Yes, you are, because you have a desire for God in your life. In Romans 8, 16 and 17, it says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with them, that we may also be glorified together. Amen? So it says here the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God and that we're joint heirs with Christ. That's powerful. We need to meditate on that. You are a joint heir with Christ. You are children of the Most High God. In other words, you have rights. I'm going to say it again. You have rights. When Paul was being persecuted, you know, and, uh, and they were about ready to whip him, and he told them that he was a Roman citizen, and they didn't know he was a Roman citizen, and they stopped. They said, oh, we didn't know you were a Roman citizen, you know. And Roman citizens had rights. They weren't supposed to be beat, you know, without, you know, having uh, proper uh, uh, protocols in place. And they stopped. They said, oh, man. And the guy, the guy that was interrogating him said, did you, buy your, uh, did you buy your Roman citizenship? I bought mine. And Paul says, no, I was born a Roman. Are you here? And I'm going to say this. You don't have to buy your citizenship in heaven. No, you're born into the kingdom of God and you have the blessings of God upon you. I'm going to say this today. You're more than conquerors. But, that, but, but pastor, I, I, I lost my temper last week. I did some wrong things. That, that, that doesn't stop the fact that, you're, that you're, you're still more than a conqueror. As long as you're keeping, keeping your, yourself in Christ, amen, confessing the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, 
you're more than a conqueror. In Romans 8, 35 and 37, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So what he's saying is, who's going to separate us from Christ? Is, is all these problems going to separate us from Christ? No, a thousand times no. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. That's pretty serious. But we are accounted sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, so see, Paul is saying, you might be going through a, a lot of issues, a lot of problems. There might be things you might be dealing with. But even though you're going through these things, you're still more than a conqueror because Christ is holding you up. Regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what the enemy's trying to do to pull you down. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And, I, and, and no devil in hell can take you out of the hands of God. They might try to be arrayed against you. They might try to come against you in different ways. But you have power. You have authority over these devils that will try to come against you. Amen. Do you believe that? All authority, all power has been given to you. And, and, through, and through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? You are in right standing with God no matter what it looks like in your life. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is called the divine exchange. Jesus exchanged our sin for his righteousness on the cross. If we can get a revelation of this, if we can get a revelation that God's not holding our sins against us, if we can get that revelation that we are totally forgiven, that we're totally loved by the Father, that we're totally accepted by God, there's nothing we can't do in God. We've got to get, that, get, get a revelation of the love of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And that love of God has totally wiped out the handwriting that was against us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? The divine exchange. I love that. Amen? Lie number two. When I try to quit and fail, I feel increasingly hopeless. So why bother trying to quit? <laughs> That's one of the lies that the devil will say. You know, you've tried, you tried quitting. You tried it and it didn't work, so why bother? Amen. Listen, as Christians, you have to keep pressing in to the things of God. And as Christians, we don't quit. As Christians, we don't throw in the towel. As Christians, we keep fighting to the nth degree. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? We don't give up. In 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So he's saying, how do you fight the good uh, fight of faith? 
By confessing, in, 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 you know, by confessing what? By confessing who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. I'm going to say it again. How do you overcome? How do you overcome these weaknesses? You keep confessing who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. If, you, if you're trying to give up whatever it might be, I remember one person came to a minister and said, I'm trying to give up cigarettes. I'm addicted to cigarettes. And so the, the pastor said, well, every time you, 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 you light up, just say, I'm doing this for the glory of God. And he, I'm doing this for the glory of God. And then pretty soon he couldn't do it for the glory of God. <laughs> and then he stopped, he stopped picking up the cigarettes. Amen. So that might, that might help you out. Just say, I'm doing this for the glory of God. And we know that you can't really, you know, your body is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And your body's a temple. And the Bible says glorify God in your bodies. And so we want to glorify God. And so we know that inhaling smoke is probably not too glorified to, to your bodies. Amen. It can hurt you. Amen. And you don't, you don't want to, to have any... Pre uh, any uh, thing that will come against you through doing that, amen. Uh, because you know there's natural things that 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 you know lung cancer and all that. I'm not prophesying over you over that, but my grandfather smoked cigarettes. That's what was before they thought that cigarettes were bad for you, before they had the Surgeon General warning on it. And he smoked for many years, and he and he and he developed lung cancer. And um, I remember that because. Um, they had to cut out part of his lung. And I remember that he was, you know, he didn't live too much longer after that. But I remember they had to cut him open. And he was like, uh, he, you know, I was visiting him, me, my brothers. We were young. I was probably about 10 years of age. And he showed the scar. He said, he said boys, you should never smoke because this is what's going to happen to you. It left an indelible impression on my life. And um, my grandfather could, could have lived, I believe, a little longer but at that time, they didn't know anything about smoking being bad for you. Amen? And, uh, but in Galatians 6, 9, not going against, I'm not going against anybody that's, that might be dealing with that. I'm just, I'm just saying that God wants you set free from anything. It could be alcoholism. You don't want alcohol to have a grip on you. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine as an excess, but be spirit, filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody to your heart. You don't, want any, you don't want to have anything that can control you. Amen? If you have to have it, then that's something that's controlling you. Now, now, if it's God you have to have, then that's a good control. If you have to have God. If you have to have the Word of God. If you have to have praise and worship in your life. If you have to have church, that's a good thing. But if, if there's other things out there. So in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not grow weary. In doing good, in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So right here, he's saying that if we don't grow weary in doing well, then eventually we will reap a good blessing from it. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, this kind of, the Lord brought this out to me this week. Do not cast away your confidence. What is the devil trying to do? He's trying to get us to cast away our confidence. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, he's trying to get us to cast away our confidence in God, that God has the power to set us free. That's why the devil's trying to get us to give up, throw in the towel, and quit. But no, we don't want to cast away our confidence. 
which has great reward, the Bible says. The confidence of God. So the devil's after your confidence. In other words, he's after you trusting God. He doesn't, the devil doesn't want you trusting God. So, so, so don't cast away your confidence. And this is for you have need of endurance or patience. This is what knocks us out because it's going to be a process. Sometimes when God is setting us free, sometimes it's not instantaneous. Sometimes it is. You get, you get people that, well, boy, praise God, I got saved. And I'm totally, you know, they were drug addicts or whatever. And God totally set them free of drugs. Some people, you have, it has to be a process to be set free in standing in the word of God. And I'm going to say this. A lot of times the process, listen to what I'm saying to you this morning. If you get set free for the process, then it's easier for you to stay free. Because you learned how to stand on the word of God. If you get set free by a miracle, you don't really know how you got set free. It's just a miracle came. The devil can come back around and get you set back in that place and get you trapped again. So a lot of times learning how to be set free in the process makes you a stronger Christian. I'm preaching to somebody today. But don't get me wrong. I like the miracle. I'd rather have the miracle. But there's going to be sometimes a process to get set free. And that process, if you continue in the process, you will be proven for promotion. Do you believe that today? So number, lie number three is any threat to my addiction and weakness or sin becomes a threat to me. Any threat to my addiction or weakness of sin becomes a threat to me. We take it personally when our addiction or weakness or sin is revealed to us by loved ones as a personal attack. And so if, if somebody's talking to you about something in your life that's not good to you, it's not a personal attack. A lot of times God might be speaking through them to wake you up to an area of your life that you might need to let go of. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So don't take it personally. No, you need to evaluate everything. Just because somebody's saying something that might be negative, it may not be the devil. It might be God speaking through them to you. Lie number four, I can ease the pain by getting my next fix. Have you ever been there? How many people are addicted to coffee in the house today? Amen. And you got to have that coffee in the morning, glory to God. You got to have it. Amen. I'm not, I'm not going against your coffee drinkers, but you know, you got to have that. If I don't have my coffee, man, that's it, man. I'm going to be on the wrong side of the bed. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be in a good mood. And so, and so again, uh, we, 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 we like our fixes, amen. We like our coffees and our lattes and all that to get us into that place, amen. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes these things aren't really expedient. They're not really good for us. And sometimes we just need to just let it, lay it down. And, uh, and so even though it could mask our pain, amen, uh, uh, that, that, it, that at the end, you will always have regret. So don't fall into the idea, well, I just do it right now, and then I'll ask God for forgiveness later. There's always regret that comes back in your life. So don't do it. Because there's going to always be a sense of condemnation that will come into our life. Amen. And uh, in Romans 7, 24, 25, Paul says it this way. I tried everything and nothing helps. This is a message. I'm at the end of my rope. 
Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that a real question? The answer that God is, that Jesus Christ can and does, he, he, he acted to set things right in the life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but all pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. So we see this, that, that, that Paul is still saying he's struggling, but then he came to a revelation in Romans 8, and that revelation is that there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And I'm saying this to you this morning, that the law of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of sin and death. And there's two laws operating in this planet. There's the law of sin and death and the law of life in Christ Jesus. But you are under the law of life in Christ Jesus today. You are under grace. It's called being under grace. So you're not under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of grace. We're not under the old covenant, thank God. No, we're under the law of grace. The law of life in Christ Jesus is making a difference in your life. It's greater than the law of sin and death that's trying to pull us down through some addictions that, that, that's trying to kill our lives, our bodies, and, all, and, and try to shorten us from doing all that God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? So, so the law of life, I like to say that because there might be something working against your body, you know, the law of sin and death, but, but law of life is greater, and you need to start confessing that. The law of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of sin and death in my life, and it's causing me to overcome these weaknesses that are trying to keep me down. Every stronghold is a root word called idolatry. Idolatry is anything that we allow to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. In other words, it can be something that we worship. I'm going to say it again. Our addiction can be something that we worship. And the Bible says that you shall, you shall have no other idols before you. God is the only one that, that, sh- that desire, that, 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 that needs, or God's the only one that, that should only have our only worship. Amen? God is the one. So we don't want to have this wrong relationship with our addictions because that can be an idol in our life. And so we need to kick that idol off the throne of our hearts. Am I talking to anybody today? You might need to get an accountable partner. Whatever it takes to get that idol out of your life. Now let me just say this in, uh, in closing, three, three keys here. Put God first in every area of your life. Put God first in every area of your life. In Exodus 21, 3, God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and you shall have no other gods before me. Don't put anything above God in your life. Put first coming to church on Sunday mornings. I wanted to put that plug in there. Put first the morning, uh, your morning prayer and your devotions. When I get up in the morning, I can tell the difference if I don't put God first when I wake up. I, I like to wake up, read my devotion, uh, pray a little bit before I even get out of bed. And if I, if I start my day without doing that, I can feel it during the day. Uh, put first God 
in every area of your life, in entertainment, make sure God is in there. Learn, learn to say no to your flesh, number two. Learn to say no to your flesh. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I discipline my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Our bodies make a wonderful, a wonderful slave, but a terrible master. I'm going to say again, your body makes a wonderful slave, but a terrible master. You have the power to overcome sin in your life. I'm going to say it again, you have the power. In Romans 6, 12 and 14, it says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present them to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So that's another word. That, that, that connects to the law of, of life in Christ Jesus. You're not under the law of sin and death. And he's saying in a different way, you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Grace is the law of life in Christ Jesus. And that law is working in you. That law is working in you, causing you to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that today? Did you receive it today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just thank you that you are moving in our midst. I thank you, Father God, that we have the power to overcome anything, any weakness that the enemy is trying to draw us into. And I declare, Father God, as we put these principles into practice, Father, that you are able to make all grace abound towards us in, in helping us in every area of our lives. Father, I thank you for those that are in the audience and those that are watching online. And perhaps you have not put Jesus as Lord of the, on the throne of your heart. And the Bible says today is a day of salvation. You may not have another chance. So I want to I lead you in a prayer. If you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, say this and mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.